Welcome back to the Banner 18 podcast. This is episode two. Welcome to Banner 18 podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Danny Priest, here with my man, David Stein, coming off a stressful week of Celtics preseason basketball. 0-2, ugly losses, bad basketball. Not a lot of great from those two games, so we're going to get into that, talk about some predictions for season awards for this upcoming season. Uh, So before we get to the bad and your rants that you have incoming, Dave, we'll talk about what was good in the preseason. Uh, It's definitely a short list. I know for me, I would say, I guess Javante Green was good. You know, he was, he started, he didn't really get killed at anything. Uh, He made a three-pointer, which was nice. Robert Williams was good at times. He was quite bad at other times. So it doesn't really feel convincing to myself to say these things were good because there wasn't really a lot to like. Did you have anything good that you found from the preseason, like anything at all? I think the only good thing was that we lost to the 76ers so they can give themselves their fan base can give themselves the confidence they need to think they'll beat us further down the road because that's what we do every year we have to lose to them early so Sixers fans can just try to give us a lot of you know what trying to say they're a better team just for the playoffs to roll around we end up beating them and they just complain for until next year so that was probably the only good thing but and also I mean you can't get any worse from here right I think like people might underestimate us. That's probably the only good thing because like the actual gameplay itself, I, there wasn't really anything that I saw that was promising by any means, but yeah. can't get any worse. So I think get it all out now. I think you saw from those two games, we probably undervalued how much a third option is going to matter because we don't know when Kemba's coming back and a player like Gordon Hayward being gone actually really hurts now and in a strange way Brad Wanamaker leaving kind of hurts too because he was a guy who could at least you know come off the bench and get to the rim and make a few things happen they have like nothing now if Tatum's on the court or off the court you may as well throw me or you out there and see if we can put the ball through the hoop like it's bad when he's off the court so I think we kind of undervalued that a little bit and it just there's like a lot of players on the roster that, you know, like, I don't really know what they do well. Like, I know Carson Edwards, someone you want to talk about. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, and like, they're using a roster spot on Taco. Like, funny guy, great jokes and everything. I don't really know what he's going to do. Romeo Langford can't stay healthy. Uh, it's just, it's it's not a great scene on the bench right now. So, what, like, what, what were some of the things that you kind of saw as bad across those first couple of games? Well, like we mentioned last week, right, I said bench scoring is going to have to be a big thing this year, and it's hard to say, right? I think Jeff Teague in that first game, right, he looked pretty good, you know, for someone who we just kind of, you know, picked up, and I thought he was doing his part, but then, like, in the second game, you know, he wasn't as present, right? And then, like, same with uh, Peyton Pritchard, right? In the first game, he looked, like, pretty good, right, for his first rookie game, but then the second one, you know, he, second game wasn't as great. But, you know, the bench is definitely 
something I think Brad was more experimenting with than anything because it's hard to say what they want to do on offense, right? You don't have Kemba yet. I don't think Tice played. Tristan Thompson didn't play. You had like a good amount of guys, right, who were just out due to injury or, you know, you want to sit them or whatever. So I think Brad's kind of taken that time to figure out what works best. But, I mean, there were definitely a couple guys who I was kind of like, I'm not too sure how they'll fit in. First one was Robert Williams, right? Because he's been someone who I think at times people want want him in the starting lineup, right? Because the Celtics have always had a big man issue. And Tice is great. I think for someone, he's very undervalued. But Robert Williams is one of those very athletic bigs who can defend. But my problem with him is that he, for every good thing he does, he does something just as bad that neglects the good thing he just did. Like in both games, he, he fouls so much because he wants to just block every shot in his path. And he, he just ends up hurting himself because he'll get like three fouls and he can't be in the game. Right. And even I, when I was watching him against like Joel Embiid, I, I didn't realize, I mean, granted Joel's one of the best bigs, but like, you know, we need people who can defend those type of bigs to get through the East. And like, he was kind of getting back down, like relatively easy for someone his size. So that was a bit concerning. And then one other guy I thought on the bench who, I mean, I didn't really have that high of expectations for him anyway, but I, I don't think you can give Carson Edwards a single, a single minute unless it's garbage time. Um, I, I, I didn't really watch the second game. I didn't have time, but the first game, he can't get through a single screen. And that's just a huge issue. Unless you're like Isaiah, right, who can put up like 30 and offset that. Like he, he can't even score well now. So it just makes it even worse that he, he can't play defense. He's struggling on offense. And I think there's just guys behind him who can make a bigger impact. So it wasn't great from what I saw from him. You know, I was hoping, you know, he could kind of get back to his shooting. But when you're – so reliant on that and it's not clicking at all like you can't expect to see any minutes and if you don't get any minutes you can't develop so to lose lose for him yeah yeah I mean it's tough I like help is on the way with some of those injured guys but you know like Thompson comes back Tice gets healthy they're not scorers they can help other ways but they're not going to put the ball through the hoop um you know we don't know how long Kem is going to be out I almost feel like they might have to shift their lineups, maybe put Smart back coming off the bench because he's not a scorer, but he can at least, like, command an offense, kind of get some things going, run some action for them. Uh, it's just – it's it's got to be some kind of shakeup of some sorts because I think they're going to have a really hard time trying to score the ball early in the season. And, I mean, we didn't even talk about it yet, but the defensive end of the court was no better. It was – bad defense most of the time too uh I think you described Robert Williams perfectly it's like one step forward two big steps back at times with him um so it's it's correctable stuff but it kind of feels like I think we would love if they jumped out of the gates at like 15 and 5 through their first 20 this feels more like a 10 and 10 or like a 9 and 11, 8 and 12, like, oh, like what's wrong with the Celtics early in the season type of thing. I think long-term they're going to be all right. I think there's a move to be made with the roster, but I think early, like they're going to struggle. I think not necessarily a bad thing. Tatum and Brown can kind of work through that. And 
battle, but it, it's it's ugly when the ball's swinging across the perimeter and it goes like Grant Williams, non-shooter, swings it over to Peyton Pritchard, not sure if he's an NBA player, swings it to the corner to Semi Ojale. I've seen him miss enough threes that like he doesn't need to get minutes anymore. I'd rather just throw the young guys out there and see what they can do. So, I mean, it, it was it was a tough watch. It was a frustrating first two games and maybe things will get better first week of the season here, but right now it looks tough. So from there, the natural question is you were Danny Ainge. You could make a move tomorrow, bring somebody in using that trade exception, whatever it is, $28 million. You can basically slot a player in to that amount of money. Were you able to pick out one player who you would bring in right now to help the team? tomorrow well i chose three three possible options so i didn't know who because they all have different different play styles um the first one i'd probably say i I I don't know if they really could but i'd like to see jj reddick because we shot eight for 45 on threes um I, i you know we can't you can't win like that right and especially with the defense we were playing. So JJ Redick would be nice, but two more realistic guys I looked at. Um, Aaron Gordon was the first one I picked. I looked at really like every team and someone they'd have to trade. And we mentioned last week that Orlando is in that phase where they kind of need to rebuild and like shipping him off would probably be a good start. And I think he has potential, you know, he's been growing as a shooter and he offers athleticism that I think the Celtics need at times right especially for a big because like Thompson's not necessarily a guy that'll get out in transition and I think with guys like Brown and Tatum and even Kemba obviously you know you kind of want a team that can do that um so I think he'd be a good fit and someone else I don't know if I'd necessarily do it it's kind of more like I see the upside but what I do it myself I don't know uh Kevin Love right I think he's someone the Celtics have kind of been looking at for years and I you know it's either him or Drummond that have to go and I don't, and teams don't want drumming, right? He's kind of in the dying big man phase and he wouldn't fit the Celtics anyway. So I think Kevin Love would be great. He's a great shooter, um, great rebounder, you know, has championship caliber experience, uh, which is something I think we could use as well. And I know he's aging, but, you know, I feel like for what he offers, he's kind of like the perfect fit for the Celtics offense. And he's a great passer, too. I think he's underrated at that. And I think Brad values all the things that Kevin Love can offer. Yeah. Interesting list. I think Reddick would be an awesome one, just his ability to play off the bench, start, run off screens. Um, he kind of gives you a lot of different things you can do. And any shortcomings on defense, they can mask just based on the roster they already have assembled. Uh, if Aaron Gordon were to be a name, got to ban him from taking jump shots. I don't ever want to see him shooting the ball outside the paint. Let him dunk, let him fly around on defense. And I do think love is interesting. I think ever since like the LeBron days, his name has always kind of been linked to Boston and it's obviously never happened for real. Uh, I'm not sure how many years are left on his contracts. So they'd have to figure out what they want to do with him beyond just the first year, but I think he's definitely still a player and based on the fact that he's old, the Cavs also haven't played in 10 months. So he's probably rested and ready to go. Um, He probably still has a few good seasons left in him. Name I pulled for, I just pulled one name and 
I don't know how realistic it is because he's coming off of an extension. There's a lot of years left on his deal, and I don't know if his current team wants to move him, but I said Buddy Heald from the Kings. Um, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. He won the three-point contest last year, and he's used to being a secondary scorer. And I like the Kings haven't been good, but he's kind of their number two behind Fox. I think you put him in a winning situation, and he's your number three where he strictly just has to get open and shoot threes. I think that's a role he could be really, really good in. Um, like I said, he just got extended, so I don't know if they could actually pull off what they have to to bring him over and retain him on the roster, but that is someone I would be excited to see play. It's someone who takes a three-pointer, and I'm not saying no, 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 no when they take the shot. So that was why I pulled. I think both lists are interesting. Uh, of course – Knowing the Celtics, if they do make a move, it's not going to be until right up until the trade deadline, which we don't even know when that's going to be right now. But it's fun to dream and think of these things. So we'll see what happens. Maybe one of us ends up being right in the end. But last thing we're going to do for today is predict our season awards for the season. Uh, we'll do this kind of backwards so we can get to the big awards. We'll save those for last. So. I'll uh, we'll start with an award that I don't really care for. I think it's kind of a meaningless award, but most improved player. Somebody's got to win it. You want me to go first, or do you want to go first with this one? I'll let you go first with this one. All right. This was tough because uh, I feel like I was looking back at who's won it. It's been like Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam. It's like guys who were already really good, and they just – got even better. So it's, it's kind of a weird award to try to predict. So I went with Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the Thunder this year. Really good last year. Now there's nothing around him. It's just him and a bunch of flyer type of guys. So I think he has the opportunity to put up really monster numbers. Of course, the Thunder might not win more than 20 games, but we saw it with Brandon Ingram. Like Numbers that pop are kind of what wins you this award. So he was who I have on there. I think he's a really good player. I know you being a pseudo Thunder fan are definitely excited for him. So that was my guy. I'm sure you'd like to see him hold that award when the season ends. Yeah, I didn't pick him. I thought about it. Um, I just think like the team around him was like too weak for him to really kind of like deserve the award. But knowing knowing my Thunder, we won't tank. We'll somehow slip into like an eight, nine seed um because we can never we can never just be bad and get a high draft pick we, you know we need to be middle of the road first round bounce um I chose Michael Porter Jr um I think you know he kind of popped off at the end in the bubble and the fact that he was a rookie last year you know um I think that kind of gives him the perfect opportunity to win this I think he'll be in the starting lineup you know they lost Jeremy Grant so I think he's in a prime position to win it. Not that I care for this award either, like you mentioned, but I think it's kind of, it's usually, I think someone, like you said, they're already kind of good. And I think people knew Porter Jr. was good. So I think a year in the starting lineup, you know, he'll be putting up similar numbers like to Jamal Murray, I think. I think he'll have at least 20 a game. Yeah. Like he has that kind of potential, like 20 and eight will get him the award. And he's a great shooter. I think I saw he shot like in the bubble, he was shooting like 55%. Not that he'd do that throughout a season, but 
you know, if you can shoot high 40s, low 50s for small forward, I mean, it's extremely impressive. Yeah. You mentioned the Nuggets, so I'll let that take us to the next one. We'll do Coach of the Year next. I actually went with Mike Malone to be Coach of the Year. Um, I think based on where Denver was last year, I think they're going to be just as good, if not better, this year. And I think in the West, everybody kind of automatically says Lakers and Clippers at the top. I actually think the Nuggets could be good enough to play towards that top two seed level. And based on how good Jokic is, what Murray showed he can do, Porter starting, like you said, and they still have a really deep bench, I think they could be like a high 50s, low 60s type of win team. And usually in a year like this one, that's good enough to at least put you in contention for the award. So I went with him for coach of the year. I never know who to go with for this award because I don't know how you how they determine it, right? Because a lot of times it's more like how'd you do with what you were given versus like genuinely the best coach. Like if you're just gonna you could sit there and pick the best team, right? Say like the Bucks, they go like sixty seven and fifteen or whatever, right? One year is Budenholzer the coach of the year because he has the best team, or do you take someone who did more with less? It's hard to say. Like, I don't know how you judge that, but for me, when I think about it, I think it's the latter. I think it's how well you do with the players you're given. So I went with um, the Phoenix Suns coach. I went with, um, oh my God, Monty Williams. I couldn't even think of his name for a second. I think he'll get it just because, you know, Phoenix went 8-0 in the bubble. You know, they're on the verge of a playoff spot. And I think adding Chris Paul was a big win for them because they've always needed a point guard for a really long time. And I think him paired with uh, Devin Booker is going to make a really big difference. Um, Aiden was, you know, kind of coming on at the end as well. And I think those three will kind of lead them to a playoff spot. And if they can get far enough into it, I think for like the team they have assembled, I think it should go to him. Yeah. But I don't really care who wins this award. It's kind of, I mean, Bill Belichick has like two two or three and like you know think about how many good years he's been a head coach so yeah every time I think of coach of the year I just think of um, a couple years back when Dwayne Casey won it and he had been fired like the day before it's just like kind of yeah like, exactly like they don't know any better but uh we'll do we'll do defensive player of the year next this was a tough one um wanted to pick the 200 million dollar man Rudy Gobert but in the end, I didn't. I went with Anthony Davis from the Lakers. Um, I mean, enough has been said about how good of a defender he is. Nah, the reason I picked him was I think when the Lakers are like fully engaged and fully locked in, not taking a game off, they're the best defensive team in basketball. And that starts and ends with him. You know, he's what kind of brings them together. He can do a ton for them on that end. So I think when you're the best defensive player on one of the best defensive teams in the league, you should claim that award. So I went with Davis there. I did as well. Uh, talking about Rudy Gobert, though, literally when that when Wodge tweeted that contract, I texted you immediately and said, this is the worst max extension in history. You're paying a guy who is nothing more than an all-star caliber player. $40 million a year. That's fine, Utah. Do you want to do that? I think he offers value, but he's not – I don't think he's in the same ballpark as Anthony Davis because I think when it comes to interior defense, sure, you can have that discussion between Gobert and Davis, 
I mean, Gobert's like bigger, so I think he has slightly an advantage. By the way, I think when it comes to all-around defense, I don't think there's anyone better than Anthony Davis. You know, there's a reason the Lakers were so good defensively. He's kind of like that anchor. He can defend multiple positions. He's he's extremely athletic. He's lanky. And the crazy part is I think his offensive game now, at least, is almost just as good as his defensive game, which is what he kind of got drafted for, right? Everyone was like, he's a lengthy shot blocker, but now he has an offensive game to go with it. But it's going to be one of those two. It's always name, right? Like Marcus Smart last year, I think Celtics fans at least really wanted to see him in there. But, you know, it's more like you kind of know who's a good defender. So I think voters kind of go with more like name brand than who might be like the actual best defender. It's the center of war. It's tough for the guards to get it. Uh, the three left, we got six-man rookie of the year, MVP. Uh, we'll go rookie of the year. This was another one that was tough. Um, kind of look at the draft picks, and it's, like, weird. Like, who's who's going to play enough? Who's going to play well? So, I don't know if I'm happy with the pick, but I went with LaMelo. I think he's going to play a lot in Charlotte. They actually have some decent pieces on that team. I think they have a good coach. So, I feel like he's in a situation where – he can play a lot and he can play well. I think he's going to have nights where his stat line's really ugly. Like, I think the other night in their preseason game, he was one of 10 with like four assists, four turnovers. But he's always going to have highlights too. And in kind of the era when now highlights are what jump out. And if his numbers are good enough and the Hornets are like a middle of the road team, I feel like he could come away with that award because I just don't see like, I don't know how much Wiseman's going to play. I don't know what Anthony Edwards' role is going to look like. So this this was kind of the sensible pick to me. That was why I went with Melo. Yeah, when I looked at this, it just screamed like Michael Carter-Williams, rookie of the year-esque mm-hmm. type year, right? When you're just like, like who, or when Malcolm Brogdon won, right? It's kind of like, you know, I think – it's one of those years where I feel like an undrafted rookie probably has the same amount of chance as like any of these top five guys. Right. Um, I mean, I went with Anthony Edwards just because I think it's more realistic. He gets quality minutes over any of these guys. Like, like LaMelo is flashy. I'll give him that, but he wasn't that good at shooting. And I think that'll come back to haunt him once teams, you know, actually play defense. I think against good teams, he might, have difficulty. Uh, Wiseman, I'm, you're not going to get t- you're not going to get the amount of points and stats that you need to win because you're on a team with Curry. Um, and it's just a very weak class. And a lot of these guys, they don't have defined roles yet. But I think Edwards, at least, you know, could possibly carve out a role. I think it's going to be kind of like him, uh, Jared Culver, uh, D'Lo, and probably Cat. In somewhere in the starting lineup and I think Edwards can just kind of be like like a 3 and D guy but I mean it's really anyone's award um, I saw like Obi Toppin was another one people were talking about um, I mean I could see it right with how bad the Knicks are but it's probably going to be one of the most uh, lesser deserving rookie of the years than we've seen right with people like Jaw or like other people in the past couple of years yeah uh the NBA was like the MLB, and it was like a minimum game thing to be considered a rookie. I think Zion and Bol Bol probably would have been one and two, but 
I don't think they're eligible for this award anymore. So uh, next one, we got six man of the year. This one thought about a lot of different guys for it. Um, I mentioned this to you before we recorded, but it's kind of hard to predict this with COVID because guys like might be in and out of the starting lineups. Um, you don't really know how that's going to strike. So I went with another Laker. I picked Dennis Schroeder assuming he comes off the bench for the Lakers. I don't think he's going to start. I know he said he wanted to start. I don't think he's going to. And if he does come off the bench, he's going to play a lot of minutes. And he has a team around him that's, like, really awesome for what he does. And if he was as good as he was with the Thunder last year, I think he's only going to be better with the Lakers this year. So in a year where the candidates are kind of, like, all over the place, he stuck out as a strong one to me. Yeah, I thought about him and I thought about Montrezl Harrell, but I feel like since both of them are on the same team and I feel like they might get overshadowed, overshadowed um, by guys like LeBron and AD on that team. So I went with Tyler Hero. I mean, I don't know if he's going to start, but I think just by his performance last year in the bubble, I think he really kind of came into his own. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of finds a way into the starting lineup, but you know, he was really great for them. He's a great spark off the bench. He's a great shooter. Uh, he could win most improved too, possibly, I think. But, you know, he's in a prime position to win the award. I could see him kind of average like 15 a game, you know, based on what he did last year. So I'd probably give it to him. But hopefully, I, you know, it's not going to be like the same two people this year, I think, at least. You know, I think there's going to be more competition, which is good to see. Yeah, I'm not sure what the plan is. Um down in Miami with him. I know he started a few playoff games, but things change in the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see if he starts or comes off the bench. Uh, so last one, big award, MVP. Uh, it's definitely a lot of names to consider this year. In the end, I went with Damian Lillard. I think a lot of this was based on what he showed in the bubble. He's probably the best guard in the entire NBA right now. I know, like, Curry hasn't been on the floor a ton. Kyrie hasn't been on the floor a ton, but he showed like he has multiple levels he can get to in the bubble. I think the Blazers put themselves in position to be a good team in the West. So as long as they win enough games and he plays at that level, he can reach. I think he could make like his peak year be this year and he could grab that award and kind of have that on his resume. Because I feel like every once in a while we see these guards just kind of jump out have really amazing seasons and they grabbed that award. So I went with Lillard. Uh, this one was, was the hardest. I, I, I didn't think Giannis would get it this year. Um, I definitely didn't think Harden would get it based on the current situation. Uh, I had to go with Luca. You know, I, I, I said from when he was drafted, I thought Luca was the best in that draft. Like he, he looked really good in Europe and then, his rookie year is great. And last year he was just sensational. Pretty sure he was top somewhere in the top five for MVP votes, you know, nearly average a triple double when you're putting up 30 a game. Um, and that's not, and it wasn't even with like slightly okay shooting because I mean, he has to really do a lot for that team. And I think if Porzingis is healthy, that opens up the floor a lot more for him. He can do a lot more pick and roll. And the crazy thing is, I think his numbers will even go up this year. I think he could easily put up 30 a game. Um, and I think if Porzingis is healthy, right, they're already a 
pretty good team last year. And I think they could even with him, I think they could push for, you know, a top four seed. And I think because of that, I think Luca should win, but there are a lot of guys. I also thought, I thought Kevin Durant right now that, you know, he, assuming he's back healthy. I mean, he looked good against the Celtics. I think he could win it. I think Lillard was another one I considered. Curry could could come back and win it, right? You know, if he's fully healthy and no clay, if he can get them far enough, I think he should obviously be considered. I don't want to rule out Giannis. Like, obviously, he's really good and he's won it twice now. So he's got to be up there. But it's going to be more competitive this year, I think, than any other year. It's been in quite a while. Yeah. Luca doesn't win it this year. I'm pretty – feels like a lock to at least win one in the next couple of years. He's, he's, he's going to win one. There's no way he doesn't, it's time right, to. with the skill set he has. Like, it's just – he's sensational. Yeah. Even Trey Young might be a dark horse. He's, he's another one who could get up there. Yeah, they got to start winning some games. But, uh, yeah, that's the awards. So, that'll wrap it up for us on this episode. Um likely be back again probably next Monday. We'll see what the Celtics have done to themselves over the course of another week. Hopefully things look a little bit better and uh, a little more positives to talk about. But till then, appreciate you guys checking us out and see what happens on Wednesday night. I don't know. Expectations are low, but we'll see.